My name is Emily Blaine, and this is my story. I was born a skank, Emily Skank, in February of 1988, and I grew up knowing one thing, I was loved. My parents loved me endlessly. They were at every practice, every game, every lesson, and every speech. I never fought with my brother and sister because we took care of each other, and being the youngest, I could have been easily picked on but I was included in their lives. They never treated me as a bother, they just loved me, and I believe my family was built on that value. Since I can remember, I always wanted to be the best. I wanted to make my family happy. My parents and siblings had created this life that was easy and flawless, so I desperately wanted to give that back. I wanted to be the easy kid, and I wanted to be flawless. The summer before sixth grade, my world was shaken. I had been at my friend's house for a birthday party, and my dad came to pick me up. He brought me home, hugged me, and told me that he had to go to work. I remember watching TV the next day and asking my mom why dad wasn't home yet. She told me that he wasn't coming home and that she needed to talk to me about something. I remember sobbing on her lap for hours and wiping my nose on my Mr. Bubble t-shirt. Uh, my brother and sister had already known. I suppose I was too young, but it bothered me that I was the last to know. My parents, my constants, they were separating. And at 10 years old, I felt like this would be my flaw. I was angry, so I hid it, and I didn't tell a single person for almost a year, not even my best friend. I figured that if nobody knew, then it was easier for me to ignore. I became good at making up stories. My dad was at work, or he had a meeting, and, or could have been helping my grandma. I faced the world the best way I knew how, and that was to pre pretend like everything was perfect. Sixth grade was hard. I became an expert at hiding my secret. I wanted to be the perfect student with the perfect family and the perfect life. At the end of the year, my best friend broke down and told me that her parents were getting a divorce. So this was my chance to fit in, and for the first time I replied, me too. I actually told everybody that day, everyone I knew. I was letting everything out that I had held on to for that year. But I made a vow to myself, if I couldn't have what society had created as the perfect family, then I could at least be the perfect student. Somehow, I thought if my parents would be proud of me, then it would spark something between the two of them and maybe my dad would come home. So I ran cross country, I played basketball and softball, I entered every club. It took me a few years before I realized that my family hadn't changed and I was still Emily and I was still loved. I stayed with my dad every weekend and my mom every week. They kept making it easy. In high school, a friend of mine invited me to her youth group activities. I, I went a few times and connected with some of the adult leaders. They really wanted to listen and they wanted to know me. They encouraged me to go on a youth trip and since they had shown me such love, I was quick to accept. Love is my heart song. The youth concerts were awesome and each night I listened to Jamie Smith, the worship leader, sing praises to God 
she was so joyful she performed without her shoes and I thought is God okay with that? Here I was always trying to be proper and do the right thing. Uh, this was pertinent in order for me to be flawless and there she was singing in front of thousands of teenagers without her shoes on. Surely this was improper and inappropriate but for the first time in my life I saw people reaching out to God. I looked around me my friends, my leaders, their hands were outstretched and their eyes were closed. They were worshiping with complete abandonment. Was God really listening? Certainly he should be more concerned with the performer's bare feet. So I tried it. I closed my eyes and stopped worrying about ridiculous details. I gave everything to him. I cried, I sang, I begged for help. I spoke to God and I asked Jesus into my heart. I came home and my mom asked me about the trip. This was my chance to be a disciple and yet I didn't know how to tell her about my life change. I didn't know how to bring it up so I prayed to God and he showed me that if I struggled to find the words to say then I could show my mom instead of telling her. So this was my challenge. I wanted to be noticeably different, noticeably brighter, because now I was allowing Jesus to live through me rather than around me. I was baptized a year later on Easter Sunday by my new youth pastor. You may know him, Brad Lewis. As usual, my whole family was there to support me. They never missed a thing. In one of many youth, de youth devotions, Brad said that we are all running to God. We are on a path, and each time we sin, it's like making a pit stop in the race. I still had the desire to be the best, so I had to win. I had to keep running, but it was hard to let God be the driver. My senior year, I was voted most likely to help a friend, and I love to be characterized this way. My parents were always helpful, and it made others happy, so that became my goal. Jesus was a friend to all, and I wanted God to use me to do the same. I knew I was born to be a mom and so I needed to get a move on and I needed to get married but I guess I needed to date first. I had learned in life that things are so much so much easier when you did it joyfully. Jamie Smith could sing to God with her toes hanging out and Pastor Brad could say poop in a Sunday sermon so maybe I didn't have to, to do everything perfectly according to society. Maybe I could start having fun. There had always been one person in my life that I associated with fun. Sam Blaine. His mom had worked with my mom for over 20 years. And our families got together once or twice a year to do just that. Have fun. We had themed parties and went to UD basketball games. So Sam was the first person to come to mind when I was looking for a homecoming date. It was my senior year and I wanted to have fun. Brad was our driver for the night and I still don't know whether Sam was on a date with him or with me, but I do know that I had the time of my life. Sam and I talked more and more over that year and by prom we were official. The first few years of college I felt like I lived out of a suitcase. I stayed on campus at Wright State almost every night and would drive to class at UD. My second year, I lived on UD's campus, but I would drive to Sam's place as soon as class was over. 
To the world's view, it didn't make any sense. Go be a kid. Go party. Do something crazy. But to me, Sam made sense. And I had to hold on to whatever would get me through. I did struggle with my quick attachment to Sam because living with him before we were married wasn't a Christ-honoring relationship. But living without him made me feel lost and insecure. It was selfish, but it was comforting. I had held on to the church that had held me through my teenage years, but I felt like I lost my zeal. I went to church, but it was more out of a ritual or a habit. Um, after youth group trips, I was rejuvenated, but I, I didn't feel empowered. As a visitor to Gingsburg Church, the pastor showed me that we are all blessed with a God of restoration. We are given the chance to restore our life or redo what has been done. For anything to be renewed, it must first be broken. But we must first name the problem and own it. When we face the reality, then we can build on what has been damaged. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. I began to see that the struggle with feeling flawed could and would be mended. But if I didn't go through the pits and reach the lowest point, then I'd have nothing to restore. Through Sam, God showed me a life restored. I could keep running the race passionately and with love. Our wedding day was no different than the values that we were raised upon. It was full of love and joyful spirits. We became a part of One Love Church with the same intention, to love and to be a part of joyful spirits. People that were fired up and fueled to help others and love God. We are trying to live a godly life, but it is a constant test. It'd be easy to pull off on the side of the road or to make a U-turn and backtrack. But instead, I've tried to stay on the path and run the race. It's a whole lot easier when you run the race with a support system. Not only have I been blessed with a family that loves, a husband that lives joyfully, and a church that serves, but I have also been blessed in recent years with a best friend that has shown me strength through patience. She is devoted and committed to her relationship with Christ, and her faith is unending. She often emails me daily devotionals, and one in particular stood out to me. It said that Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of who I am the foremost. But for this very reason I received mercy, so that in me, Jesus Christ, might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. People are always watching, and if we show little patience, we are not being examples of Christ. Sam always reminds me that God does not give us patience, but opportunities to be patient. In Philippians, Paul wrote, This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. I have to focus on the prize. God wants us to run to him to drive in the right direction, a path toward heaven. My past shows my speed bumps, my driving record, my mistakes, my flaws. But God doesn't want me to dwell or look back. Others usually forgive our mistakes, but we often forget to forgive ourselves. We fail to accept that part of the learning process is making mistakes. If we allow the past mistakes to preoccupy us, we are scoring points for the wrong side. We're letting Satan keep score. Example is not the, the main thing in influencing others. It is the only thing 
my parents, my family, and my church family. They were my examples. I am encouraged and hope to be an example. I want to shout his story from the top of my lungs and tell the world what he's done for me. But I get nervous because I'm not biblically knowledgeable. I don't know all the stories. However, I know God doesn't need me to sit and recite the verses. He just wants his sons and daughters to know him. And I want the world to know him. So I do what I can to show his love. I love my God and I love people. This is my story from the top of my lungs. I sing my praises for all that he's done and for all that will come. Bravo, God. Thanks.